glad you're here. Uh, welcome to RUF. Um, if you came today and this is your first time, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but we're still glad you're here. So uh, we're talking about Revelation 8 tonight, about judgment. So you came on a really hopeful day. Um, yeah, so... Um, on September 11th in 2001, uh, some, several members of Al-Qaeda uh, staged the hijacking of uh, some airliners um, and carried out a series of attacks on the United States. Uh, the first airliner hit the North Tower of the World Trade Center in New York City and uh, killed hundreds of people instantly. And the second airliner hit the South Tower and uh, resulted in a big explosion, um, also killing hundreds of people instantly and trapping uh, several more, hundreds more. The third airliner hit the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. And um, after the fires and the concrete building collapsing, 200 more people uh, lost their lives. Right, like a few minutes after the third plane hit, um, the South Tower in New York City collapsed, um, leading to the deaths of thousands more people. All in all, after the attacks were finished, 3,000 people had lost their lives on 9-11. For millions of Americans, um, the immediate response was prayer. Churches overflowed with, um, for memorial services, and um, people turned to the Lord praying for justice. 9-11 uh, triggered a series of events that led to uh, combating terrorism and specifically seeking after Osama bin Laden. And um, he was the mastermind behind the attacks. And uh, after two short months, um, the United States had effectively removed the Taliban from oper operational power in Afghanistan. And... Um, essentially won, but they hadn't found Osama bin Laden. And um, justice wasn't reached because judgment hadn't been applied. Um, it was a mark on George Bush's presidency that he never found bin Laden. Eventually, 10 years later, bin Laden was found um, and killed in Pakistan. And... Uh, the people who remembered 9-11 rushed out to the streets celebrating, rejoicing. Um, justice had been accomplished because judgment had been executed. Um, Osama bin Laden had been killed. And they rushed to the streets that night in front of the White House all around New York City celebrating, uh, praising the Lord. Justice had been won. Uh, Osama bin Laden had been killed. Revelation 8 is talking about this kind of judgment. This kind of execution of judgment. And it's talking about how Christians have a very specific, important role in it. Uh, so let's read that passage. Uh, Y'all can stand for the reading of God's Word. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. 
Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayer of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that these three angels are about to blow. Don't be seated. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we come to this passage um, wondering what this could mean. And we ask that it would be, um, that you would illuminate the words, um, that you would give us hope, um, hope to seek your judgment because it's um, satisfying of justice, but also hope to turn to you, um, knowing that that you're the only one who can save us from these things. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, here's a little overview. Ben's been preaching about the first uh, six of the seven seals, and um, and then being opened and the things that happened. And um, Those seals were located on God's master plan of all creation, on the little scroll that he had in his right hand. Um, the seven... Um, and, and so... Um, this passage is about the seventh seal, and it opens up into seven trumpets. Um... Where the seals were largely um, a heavenly perspective on the here and now, uh, the trumpets are also a heavenly perspective on the here and now. So uh, the seals were more about God loving and redeeming his people, and the trumpets deal with God judging evildoers. So there's a shift in perspective, uh, but it's... it's, uh, Explaining sort of pretty much the same thing, and just so you know what's going on, um, the trumpets go from chapters eight to eleven. So this will be kind of like a uh, examination of what those trumpets are and and uh, what judgment is and how God sees judgment. I want to make three points, and um, number one, true judgment accomplishes justice. Two. True judgment belongs to the Lord. And three, true judgment desires repentance. What do I mean by true judgment accomplishes justice? Justice can't be accomplished without just, without judgment. 
So judgment is the means by which justice is accomplished, the way it's worked out. And it's a hard topic to talk about. 50 years ago, it would have been easy to talk about judgment. Um, and and uh, much of the church has responded to the kind of fire and brimstone, uh, you're going to hell, so repent, um, kind of teaching. And so now, uh, when we preach, it's a lot easier to talk about grace and love, and that's a good thing. Um, proclaim it. Um, but when we come to passages like this, we have to face what God's judgment is and, and in reality, uh, the beauty of God's judgment and how um, just like people longed for Osama bin Laden to be judged, we should long for judgment because it's, it's the accomplishment of justice. It's the working out of justice. Um, and so... As human beings, like the pendulum is always swinging in history. As human beings, we're always responding to what has come before us. And so, as Christians, we're, we're responding to the you know, fire and brimstone um, preaching. And so, we see God as a God of love now. And we have to balance that. We have to balance that with seeing God as a, as a judge. We don't see Him as just a judge, we don't see Him as just love. Um, we see Him as a balance of those two things. And if we see God as only a God of love, then we miss who God is. And if we see God as only a judge, we miss who He is. And if we miss who God is, we miss who we ourselves are. And, and we can't function in, in reality because if we don't see who God is and if we don't see who we are, then how can we function? And we would all agree... Um, Longing for justice is necessary for a functioning society. We don't have a problem with God's justice, but we have a problem when it comes to God's judgment. How could you do those things? How could you do the things that are talked about in this, in this passage? And we have to see it. We have to see the truth of this passage. Um, it's that we are people that not only long for justice, but we long for judgment um, so that justice can be accomplished. So how is this a good thing? How can, how can all this be a good thing? What justice do these events accomplish that we can celebrate? Look at verse 3 and 4. Uh, we know that this judgment comes as an answer to the prayers of the saints. And earlier, the backstory of those prayers come in chapter 6. The saints cry out, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on earth? Just like the people in America after 9-11, the saints long for justice. They are anticipating the day that they can run out into the streets, celebrating God's just judgment and His fulfilling of justice. And the only way for justice to be accomplished is for judgment to take place. To separate God's judgment from God's justice is to fail to see God as He really is. Um, and so, think about it. Who's, who's opening the seals? Who opens the seventh seal? Ben's talked about it. It's the Lamb who's... who's um, opening all the promises of God. And so how can, we, how can we come to this and see the Lamb, Jesus himself, opening up the seventh seal and unleashing these terrible things on the earth? How does that work? Uh, what does it say about Jesus? And I think too often times we jump to say he's, he's wrong for, um, for executing judgment because our view of justice is somehow flawed. 
What it really means is that Jesus cares about us being wronged. It means that he doesn't tolerate evil and sin. It means that he has the power to do something about it. And we don't have to be afraid of it. All in all, it means that Jesus has your back no matter how people have wronged you. Because he's a judge. And because he upholds justice. That's why it's such a mark against George Bush that he never found bin Laden. He didn't execute judgment. And therefore, he didn't uphold justice. In some way... Um, we have to reconcile with that. Why do we long for justice if we don't long for judgment? But in another way, executing judgment doesn't mean that God's lacking in love, that Jesus is lacking in love. On the contrary, it means that he's abundant in love, that he loves his people so much that he's um, going to avenge them, that he's righteous, and that he's just. Jesus will always get the last word on our behalf. And this allows us to be bold in proclaiming the truth about Jesus because he's always going to take care of us and he's always going to avenge us. And we don't have to worry about uh, being wronged. We don't have to fear. We don't have to despair because um, he's got our back. And he'll always accomplish justice. So we who desire justice must desire judgment, just like the saints who are here praying for judgment. Secondly, true judgment belongs to the Lord. This point is important because there are so many times in our lives where we forget this and we, be, we become the judge ourselves instead of relying on the Lord to be judged. Why do the saints ask God to avenge them? Why don't they ask? Why doesn't God just tell them to avenge themselves? Um, the reason is because God has commanded them to love their neighbors, even their enemies. And on an individual basis, God alone has the authority to judge the people who have wronged us. For instance, Romans 12 says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Have you ever intentionally ignored someone because they've wronged you? Have you ever held a grudge? Have you ever made fun of someone in front of your friends because you wanted them to be disrespected or demeaned or belittled? Have you ever talked about someone behind their back? I'm not sharing a room with her. I'm not going to invite him to summer conference. These are ways that we become judge, jury, and executioner. And it shows that we don't understand that justice belongs to the Lord. Judgment belongs to the Lord. And by making, our, by making ourselves judges, we fail to love others. And we, we neglect praying to the God of the universe who can actually do something about our suffering. God's ordained that our prayers directly impact his biggest movements on earth. Look at verse 5. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. In other words, God's biggest movements, his judgments, his, his earthquakes, the peals of thunder, the lightning, um, they're a direct result of believers running to him in their struggles. If you've been wronged and you're not praying to the Lord, then something's wrong with your view of justice and something's wrong with your view of justice of judgment. Judgment belongs to the Lord. Do you believe that? 
then seek Him. Seek His righteous judging of the world. Uh, Seek His righteous caring for us in times of trouble. We have a direct line to His throne room. And this is what this text is is claiming, is is that He hears us. He hears His people, and He answers their prayers. He uses our prayers to avenge His people. But judgment may not always come swiftly. It took 10 years to accomplish justice um, after 9-11. After the saints cried out in chapter 6, they were told to wait a little while longer. God's timing is not our timing. And in some ways, in a lot of ways, that's comforting. uh, Because if God sought judgment immediately, then we would all experience judgment. But God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. After 9-11, Derek Webb tweeted out when he was seeing all the uh, celebration, he said, celebrate justice, not death. And that's important. That's an important distinction because not only does true judgment belong to the Lord, but true judgment desires repentance. Why doesn't God just judge the world now? Why does he wait? Look at the trumpets. The fraction one-third occurs 13 times in verses 7 through 12. And what does that mean? Numbers are almost never literal in Revelation. If they were, we would have seven spirits of God and two-thirds of the sun above us. And that just doesn't make sense. So um, it has to mean something else. They're, They're symbolic. And so the fraction one-third symbolizes restraint. It's, it's not total judgment. Uh, they, aren't, um, they aren't there to um, completely condemn. They're there as warnings. Uh, even, the, even the fact that it's a trumpet, uh, that it's a warning, is a sign of God's grace to us, that he's, that he's calling people out for repentance. What is a trumpet? Trumpets are warnings. This type of warning happens in Oklahoma all the time. Sirens go off all the time, and uh, all the Oklahomans run out and take pictures with the tornadoes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, they, they aren't there to remind me how screwed I am, um, like we approach this passage sometimes. And um, I don't hear a siren and then say, well, I guess the tornado's coming. Uh, the sirens are there to warn me. Uh, to take shelter. They're serious. And if I don't run to a shelter, then I'll possibly go through um, tremendous harm and pain and even maybe death uh, because a tornado is coming and it makes sense to run to a shelter. Ezekiel 33 says, And if the watchman sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. All of that to say, trumpets are warnings uh, to embrace the Lord, especially in this passage. Embrace the Lord, turn away from sin. The judgments only get worse as it goes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, They get worse and worse because 
the people don't repent. Uh, the text in chapter 9 goes to great lengths to show that the people would not repent, uh, but instead they continued to, in their sin. It says, The rest of mankind who were killed, or, or, who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. What does that mean for us? God's judgments are meant for our turning away from sin and turning back to Him. What hidden sins do you have that no one knows about? Which problems do you keep getting yourself into? What's the answer? It's repent. The warnings are going off. God is being gracious to you. Those who don't repent are like the man who hears the tornado sirens and runs to a cardboard box with um, the word shelter written on it in Sharpie. It's foolishness. Uh, but God is gracious and pa patient with you. Run to Him. He's provided a shelter for you and His name is Jesus. If true judgment desires repentance, how does this shape our prayers for justice? Pray for the people that wrong you to be converted in the truth, uh, to the truth and saved from God's judgment. Pray that they would run to the shelter. Pray that they would see God's wrath to know that they need His love. But if you pray those things, don't neglect the other aspect of the prayer. Pray that God would judge those who don't repent. One section in chapter 6 reads, Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of, the wrath, of their wrath has come and who can stand? Now think about that. Wait a second. The wrath of the Lamb. This is the same Lamb in earlier chapters. It's, it says the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. How does that happen? How, how can it be this, the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world and also uh, the Lamb who has wrath? What changed? Here's the catch. Judgment desires repentance. But because God has warned us with His word, judgment is worse and worse for those who stubbornly resist. The people who resist, um, like they do in this verse, are like the man who runs to the cardboard box. The caves won't save you from the ruler of the universe, just like a cardboard box won't save you from the tornado. Where do you flee when you experience suffering? What cardboard boxes do you run to for comfort? Do you know that Jesus became the shelter for you so that you don't have to experience the blow? Running to anything else equates to denying who Jesus is and who you are. You need Jesus, and he's the only one who's the real shelter from judgment like this. But we have to step back for a second. Why aren't, why aren't Christians fearful of these judgments? Look at verse 13. The eagle says, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on earth. Uh, and that phrase means something specific because that's what the saints refer to in their prayer too. How long before you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on earth? Those who dwell on earth is a phrase that symbolizes people in opposition to God's coming kingdom. 
In fact, in the fifth trumpet, which we didn't read about, but it's in the next chapter, and you can read about that if you want to, the locusts aren't allowed to harm the people who have the seal of God on their foreheads. And I mention all this because hidden behind all the judgment, all these trumpets, is God's grace. God's judgment desires repentance. Have you ever wondered, how can God be love while at the same time be judge? It only makes sense with Jesus. There are only two options, judgment or love. Those who turn away from their sin and embrace Jesus experience that love, which is pictured in the seven seals. Those who embrace their sin and reject Jesus experience judgment, which is pictured in the trumpets. The only reason those who believe in Jesus Christ don't experience the harsh, harsh judgment depicted here is because in the greatest act of love ever, Jesus took on that judgment for us on the cross. God the Father turned His back on His Son. Jesus was forsaken so that we might be free from judgment. There was no shelter for Jesus. Do you remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Blood sweating um, down His face, knowing that the tornado is coming and there being no shelter to run to. Knowing that He had judgment and God's wrath coming, but there was, he had to face it. That's what we should face. Think about that for a second. To know that God's judgment is coming and for there to be no hope, no shelter. To know a tornado is coming and there to be no shelter. That's what Jesus faced for us. Hopelessness. It's like John when he's coming to the seals and he starts weeping because no one was found to open the seals, to open the promises of God. No one was found to save us from the crap we get ourselves into. And then the Lamb comes. How can we celebrate that? How can we celebrate the fact that the God of the universe who made the trees was hung on a tree? How can we celebrate the fact that the God of the universe who made humans was spit on by humans and beaten and nailed to a cross? How can we celebrate judgment like that? We can celebrate it because it's where death went to die so that we don't have to face death. We can celebrate it because it's where justice was satisfied and it had to be because if justice isn't satisfied then the judgment is coming on us. But Jesus satisfied that judgment and he willingly satisfied that judgment because he saw us as friends, as brothers, as sisters, as people who needed him. God is gracious and willing and does not rejoice in the death of the wicked, but he also takes sin seriously. On May 3rd, 1999, 40 tor tornadoes hit the state of Oklahoma in 20 hours. The biggest tornado was um, a mile wide, lasted for four hours, and winds up to almost 320 miles per hour were um, recorded. And it's the strongest winds ever recorded on Earth. Um, imagine that that's coming your way. The sirens ring out. You have little time to get to your shelter. It's serious. Or are you just going to tough it out by yourself? Responding to the gospel is the same, and that's what this passage is claiming. Have you heard the gospel and rejected it? 
Has God placed people in your lives, like Ben, who preach consistently the gospel every week? And have you continued to view it as it's not serious? This passage is saying it's serious. You can either be saved from this and turn to Jesus, or you can experience the harsh judgment. The trumpets are ringing and Jesus will take on the tornado for you. You have to ask yourself, why haven't you taken shelter? Why don't you take shelter in the one who will protect you from the sin? Why don't you respond to the trumpets as a sign of grace, that Jesus is gracious, and that he loves you, and that he cares for you, and that he's willing to avenge you from all that's evil in the world, that he cares that evil runs amok, that he cares that it's out there, and he says, I will take that judgment for you. It's serious, and it's important. Take heed of the trumpets and turn to Jesus, the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world, the Lamb who takes away your sins. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage, this passage that um, comes up against all of our um, preconceived notions of who you are. We pray that we would see you as it's presented, that we would see you as judge because you are just, and that we would praise you for taking the judgment that we deserve. We pray that we would see you in that and live our lives accordingly. Live our lives as people who are not afraid of sin and not afraid of evil because you will avenge us. Because you are the judge and you are good and you are wise and you are powerful and you love us. We pray that we would see you this way. In Jesus' name, amen.